Hey, slap happy. Hold on. Let me give you a countdown. <laughs> oh my God. Three, two, one. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we are so excited to share our favorites of 2021 episode. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and share the 10 books that made our top reads of 2021. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. If you like these types of end of the year wrap ups and want even more book talk, now is a great time to join our Patreon. This month's bonus episode will include even more best of 2021 chat, where we'll dig deeper into our reading year and talk about books that didn't quite make the cut. We might even give some awards of our own. And with that, let's get into the show. Hi, Renee. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm ready. I'm delighted. These are my favorite things about the end of the year is all of the end of the year favorites lists. For sure. This was so much fun to put together, but also really hard because I kept wanting to message you and Mm -hmm. talk and talk and talk and talk. And we had to save it for today. (laughs) And really, I was kind of surprised and I'll get into this a little bit later, but I was surprised at how easy it was for me to put this together, which is mm-hmm. completely opposite of what I thought when I was like the last couple of weeks thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to put this mm-hmm. together? I'm never going to be able to narrow it down. Turns out I could, and I did nice. pretty quickly. <laughs> That's because you have some, like you were, she was te- DMing me and she's like, yeah, I just read like, was it three or four five-star books in a row toward the yes. end? Yes. I'm like, girl, I'm jealous. <laughs> I know, I know. I had a couple sneak in. I had one literally sneak in two days ago. So I had to, I had to rearrange. I knew it had to be there and I had to rearrange and I felt perfectly okay doing that. I felt, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I mean, poor book. I had to bump, but I knew I had to do it and it's okay. I know. I actually was thinking about that. You're so funny because I bumped two and I was like, I felt really bad for these characters. I'm like, don't tell them. Don't let them know know. that they were on the list and then I removed them because I still love you, okay? It's just I didn't quite get to that level. I thought it was a little harder for me. There were a few all-time, yes, 100% standouts. There are a few that are very, like, personal to me and, like, make sense in in terms of my reading taste. And I did the thing. So normally when I do my best of end of the year list, I separate it out from thriller and everything else. And I do like a top 10 thriller and then I do a top 10 everything else. And this year I combined the two, which was kind of fun. I think it was kind of fun. It really, really made me think, okay, is this thriller? When I say thriller, I mean mysteries, you know, Mm -hmm. crime, suspense, all of the above. I had to really think like, okay, is this worthy of the best of the year? And I got some good ones. Yes. And I... I don't want to forget to talk about that specifically, the thriller okay. and the mystery and how and Perfect. and thoughts on including that. I definitely want to touch on my thoughts on that too. Cause I think sometimes they're neglected mm-hmm. from the from the best of list. And and I do I did have a process for deciding which ones 
could be on my list. Okay. Well, I'm excited to hear it. But for now, tell me what you're loving lately. My loving lately is my very favorite hand cream. Mm. I am. I surprised myself by how have I brought how have I not brought this before? But I'm bringing it now. It is from First Aid Beauty, mm-hmm. and it's their Ultra Repair Cream Intense Hydration. And I get it at Sephora. I'm sure actually Ulta or Amazon and would have it. But the reason I really really like this, it's great for dry skin. It's cruelty-free, but it is unscented, which is a must for me. I don't, I cannot handle like heavy mm-hmm. scents on my hands yeah, or really that. thick, greasy feel some hand creams have. This one is, it's light, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. And it may be a little too light at times. However, it is really, really good for dry skin. So, I mean, if I have to put it on, twice a day versus once a day, that's fine. But I just think if you don't like scents and you want something that's good for dryness and just a little bit on the lighter side, this is a great pick. And also, I think the price point, I think it's $12 for a really decent size tube. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the ounces are, but it's really good. And there might be some sales in December if you can swing those. So that was First Aid Beauty, their Ultra Repair Cream Intense Hydration. Okay. I like that brand, but I've never tried their hand cream. I'd have to give it a go. The one I use is Supergoop. It's their hand cream. Mm-hmm. I love that brand and I'll probably bring them. I, I, if I haven't already brought them for a loving lately, I don't, think, I don't think I have. I don't think you have either. Okay. But their hand cream, I like it, but it's greasy and it makes me nuts. Because like when you're like swiping on your phone, you can kind of see like, oh, I still have some of this on. So I want something that like sinks in fast and disappears and like, that's it. (laughs) I think you would like this. That's exactly how I would describe this hand cream. Perfect. Okay. Good Mm -hmm. to know. All right. What's your loving lately? My loving lately is a total escape. So this time of year, I feel like we have so many things going on. Tons of stuff I want to do, tons of stuff I have committed to doing. So by the end of the night, I'm always kind of looking for something to to wind down with. So I finally turned on the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, and I love it. This is on Peacock, and it's a short series. And you probably know this. I am a huge Housewives fan. And what they did for this show was bring certain ladies together from each of the cities for an eight-day vacation in Turks and Caicos. And what's interesting is that this is the first time they've ever in the, gosh, 15 plus years had women from different cities come together to film. And I personally know all of the players because I do watch the shows, but I think you could have fun with this even if you don't know who they are. These women are so over the top, but they're fun and they do something on this show that they don't do in The Real Housewives, which is they break the fourth wall. And what I mean by that is they talk about the fact that they're on a reality show, what it's like to be housewives. These are presumably regular people. Some of them were actresses for their career, but a lot of them were regular people. And so through this show, they became famous. But when they're on the show, they don't talk about the fame. So sometimes the fights and the arguments that they get into are due to the show, but they can't come out and say that because they don't want to break the fourth wall. But they do in this little mini show. And they also do a really good job, the editors do, 
they will reference an event that took place, I don't know, five years ago on the show. And they'll do a quick cut back and show a little clip from that scene from five years ago and say how many years ago that it happened. So it kind of keeps the the viewers engaged, even Mm -hmm. if they're not super familiar with what went on. There's also plenty of petty fighting going on on the vacation. But what I love about this is the same thing that I love about this show. I love seeing women that are not in their 20s and 30s on TV. These women are beautiful. They're living out loud and they're having fun and the fun doesn't revolve around raising their children. So I loved that. I like seeing what they wear to dinner, what they eat, what they're drinking. And it really made me want to go on a beach vacation. I also heard that they're doing another series in the Berkshires. And if you know, you know, Dorinda Medley is going to be a part of it. So there's more fun to come. I really like it. This is the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip on Peacock. Renee, you watched at least one episode. Did you like it? Okay, that's what I was going to tell you. Yes, I watched one episode of this, which is the only Real Housewives I've ever watched. Mm -hmm. No, I did like it. I felt, of course, like had I watched any of the other shows and knew who who they really were, I'm sure I would have greatly enjoyed it. Because I can see that if you followed them through the years, you have that background. Exactly. Because I think I think mm-hmm. I messaged you and and who did I say I was like probably Ramona. The, the, yes, Ramona. I was like, is Ramona a nut job or what? <laughs> like, what is allegedly? Even, like the first episode, I was like, wow, she yeah, is she, something. She is something. That that's who she is, though. From what I understand, like what's really interesting is like every woman that's on this show is exactly who she is on their season, and I'm liking them a lot more on this little mini show. Except Ramona. Oh. She's a monster through and through pretty much the whole, like, on both shows. There was a teeny, teeny, tiny bit of niceness, friendship that she showed at the she, end mm-hmm. of the yes. first episode in yes. the kitchen with, yep. I, I don't know who else she was talking to. Oh, the one from California. Kyle? No, the, well, who's, I think with there was the only one. Hair? Yeah, yeah. Is yeah, that her Kyle. name? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they had a very nice exchange. Exactly. And I was like... Okay, she seems very nice right now. So is the rest an act or I mean, no, I don't know. So she's it's just, not. Yeah, she's just like that, but she is very she can be sweet. That's why she's still on the show. She does have moments of like, "Oh, you're kind of sweet." I won't get into Ramona Singer, but needless to say, she's done some things lately that are probably going to land her off the show. She was <gasps> so 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 tone deaf on the last season of oh. New York. It was my threshold was crossed. And that's a pretty high bar in terms of like oh. being able to talk. She's just pretty insufferable. But you're right. She does have moments of like, oh, but you're kind of funny. Like you're kind of endearing almost. And then anyway. Okay. Well, I, I mean, as someone who has no you know, knowledge of anyone, do you know who I really, really, really liked? Who's that? On just that first episode yeah. was one of the ladies. And I don't, because I, I don't know the names, but she was from Atlanta. Kenya? Or, or Cynthia. Does she, she have so, braids? I think it might have been Cynthia. Yeah. The one, she was very nice, but she was all, and she was kind of a friend to more than one. Like she seemed like someone who wants, would be to, wants yeah. everyone to get along. Oh, definitely. Versus yeah, cause yeah. trouble. Okay. Yeah. That's, Kenya's that's the one that I causes really trouble. Like. Okay. Kenya, then. I just really like Kenya though. She's so, she's said some awful stuff on the show, but she's like, everyone came in like, oh gosh, they're going to, they thought immediately they were going to fight with Kenya. But Cynthia's very, very sweet. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, and she I struggles liked. later on. I think she's almost too sweet for the show sometimes because I feel like she struggles because like, 
she's trying to like plan this party later on and the girls are not like getting in the spirit of it and like her feelings get hurt and I really resonated because I'm like I am Cynthia <laughs> like I just want everyone <laughs> to get along everyone to have a good time and when they don't I'm like oh you know it kind of like hurts your feelings but yes good carry on you know if you have if you want to you have a yeah night I'm, of- I'm I am gonna it's like a good one show sit down mm-hmm. and, and watch one show did you watch all of them no I watched probably four the first four. okay so yeah, I think I, think I'm I will. Halfway through. I think I'll keep going. All right. It made me kind of want to. It made me actually go and want to watch the Atlanta show. Yes, there's so many seasons. So buckle up. Well, okay. All right. Well, moving on. Yes. What's your latest read? Okay, my latest read is an author I have read before, and this one is a is a bit quirky. It is The Stranger in the Lifeboat by Mitch Album. Mm-hmm. It is his new release. And I really, really liked several of his past books. So the premise of this is, what would happen if we called on God for help and God actually appeared? In this book, there's a group of shipwrecked passengers, and they pull a strange man from the sea. He claims to be the Lord, and he says he can only save them if they all believe in him. So what you have is a very large yacht filled with celebrities. Think a cross between the richest people in the world, maybe a, like someone like Bill Gates or an Elon mm-hmm. Musk. Like you have a yacht full of who's who and it ends up exploding. This is not a spoiler and it sinks. And so what you have is shipwrecked passengers on a raft Days pass, there's they're short on water, food, and hope when they spot this man and they pull him out of the ocean. Mm. And he says he's the Lord. The story goes from there. And oh, it reminded me of a like a potential book flight with Castle of Water, like that yep. sort of survival story. Mm-hmm. And also, I cannot imagine being on a raft in the ocean. I mean, I get see, I get seasick, but also you have, oh my gosh, you have to deal with not only the elements, but you have to deal with other people in the boat and how are Mm-mm. we going to survive and just surrounded by water. And I can't imagine that. And wow. I mean, the writing put you right there. You were there. The story is narrated by Benji. He's one of the passengers and the story is recounted as events in a notebook that is found later, a year later, after an empty life raft washes up on an island. So there's a little bit of a mystery. Why is you it don't... empty? <laughs> exactly. So you have a, a detective inspector who finds the life raft. He also has a story, a mysterious past. So really, really interesting how the author kind of tells this story. Also incorporates the themes of hope and faith and while you have a little bit of mystery. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this a lot. And that's really all I want to say. I want to leave, if, if that sounds interesting, I say give it a try. It did not turn out to be anything like I thought when mm. I initially started the story. So I, I do recommend it. Um, the audio was good. I did the whole, I actually listened to the whole thing. I didn't, no, I did. I, I did a combination. I take that back. I did have an ebook of this. That was The Stranger in the Lifeboat by Mitch Album. 
That's interesting because I was thinking initially, this sounds kind of like a mystery, but that would be a departure for him. And it sounds like it had still some of the elements Mm -hmm. he's known for, like the pontifications, meaning of Mm -hmm. life, but like a little mystery thrown in. And and you're exactly right. And that is what kicked it onto my, higher up onto my radar. Mm -hmm. And I think Katie at Basic Beats Guide reviewed this and she mentioned that it was part mystery. And of course that hit my radar and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to try that. So it was great. It was really good. All right. Well, sounds good. Mine is a book that I've had on my shelf. I actually won it from Goodreads in their giveaway, which I think I've won like two in my life. So I was like, oh "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. So I finally picked it up. I am delighted because it allowed me to sneak in an extra favorite book of 2021. This book is Hell of a Book by Jason Mott. And this book is so special. I'm going to try and do it justice because I think it sounds confusing from its premise. And so I think it's caused a lot of people not to want to pick it up because they thought, I'm going to be confused reading this. This is my plea to give it a shot. Hell of a Book is about an author who remains unnamed throughout the story. He has just written a best-selling book that is taking the world by storm, and it's also called Hell of a Book, and he is out on book tour. He has this condition where he has delusions. It's kind of little bends in reality which causes him to see things. And he just calls it his overactive imagination. And we're not really sure what's going on, but it's very vivid, the things that happen to him. And on his tour, he's continuously visited by this dark-skinned boy who's been cruelly nicknamed Soot. Soot shows up at breakfast at first, but he's a young kid and somehow manages to visit the author in all of these different cities and through all of the different experiences. And we're not really sure if he's real or not, but the boy's like, no, I'm real. And how he explains it is by saying that his mother taught him to be invisible, and it worked, and he's able to do that. Other people can't see him, but the author can. And the story goes on, and it alternates between the different narrator's viewpoints, and we learn about each of their early years. The author is really going through it. He's going through this emotional crisis throughout as he grapples with his newfound success and what this means for his identity. This book wins this year's award for being my most highlighted book. I'm talking, I was highlighting full passages. There were a few pages I wanted to highlight, and I just said, let's just, you know, put a little mark on the side here to delineate, like, this is something you want to come back to. The structure is very unique. It is creative and dreamy, but not at all hard to follow. And it's almost a little bit satirical, yet at the same time, very set in reality, very of the time. And what it's about is really society and about living in a Black body in America. And it's about privilege and it's about raising your family and wanting your kids to have a better life than you did, but kind of accepting that because of the way that Black people are often treated in this country, they, you might not be able to protect them from certain things. It's got racism, it's got police shootings, and also loving yourself through it. It was also about being an author and about how writing is a very, very solitary thing. But as your book takes off, if you're lucky enough to have it do so, you get pulled into these interviews and people ask you the same questions over and over again. And by doing that, it makes the authors rethink their words. And it can kind of be re-traumatizing depending upon the topic of the books because sometimes they're very, very personal I will say, too, there were a lot of funny parts, and it was amusing. I really liked the author. He was self-deprecating and very thoughtful. The dialogue between the characters was also really witty. 
This was one I could not binge because every chapter demanded my attention. So I listened to it and found that I'd have to stop every so often because I was like doing something else. I'm like, no, I need to pay attention to this. I want to pay attention to this. So I would stop listening because I was um, not able to give it my full attention. The audio was excellent. It's got two narrators, J.D. Jackson for the author, whom we, whom we love, mm-hmm. and Ronald Pete narrated The Kid. And they brought these characters to life. I'm also glad that I had a print copy nearby so I can highlight. I don't know if I did it justice, but just if you like my picks and you like my recommendations, you want something that's a little bit literary, very much of today's world, give this a shot. You'll know if you like it within the first couple of chapters. It's a hell of a book by Jason Mutt. Okay. And that is the National Book Award winner, right? It is indeed the National Book Award winner. Yes. It was obviously long-listed, short-listed, and then it ended up mm-hmm. winning, which right. good for this book. I definitely agree with it. I also don't know if I read any of the others on the list, so <laughs> I don't okay. have much to pull from. And read with Jenna pick. So double, like, I mean. It was a read with Jenna pick. And even with that, it only has a couple thousand reviews on Goodreads. And I think it's because it's a very hard book to describe. Like if you are somebody that's very plot driven, you're going to listen to what I just said and be like, what what is this book about? (laughs) And honestly, (laughs) it kind of doesn't matter in some ways. Like it's about a book tour, you know, And, and you do get to go with the author on these interviews, you get to see him. He gets a lot of media training, and it's just so ridiculous and over the top to make a point. But you actually are on this book tour with this author. He travels a lot. He interacts with people. There's a very funny opening scene that involves a hotel and getting locked out of his hotel room. Yeah, as of this recording, it's only got about 3,600 ratings on Goodreads, oh, wow. which is criminally low. So maybe mm-hmm. I can do my part to bump this up because so much to think about. I do think this would be great for book club. I do think this would be one you'd have a lot that you'd want to unpack and just be like, oh my God, do you remember that sentence? And really kind of gush over with people. Mm -hmm. I just really liked it. Okay. That's a great suggestion too, to to say that, yeah, to Mm -hmm. try, you know, tackle something like this for book club or for people out there that might follow the celebrity book club picks and Mm -hmm. can't decide you know, which one they want to try, then try that. Okay. Well, let's dive into book talk. Very exciting. Here we go. I am personally obsessed with end of the year best of lists, and I had a very good time making my own. How many books have you read as of this recording? 101 as of this recording, which is the most I've ever read in my life. And my best year of blogging, which was 2017, right after I started blogging, I, I read 95 and I thought mm-hmm. I would never, ever read any more than that. So I am very proud of you. I am proud of myself because I think, especially in the summer, I have a hard time keeping up. But I feel like with the podcast, we have to. We have to. <laughs> and I don't know, like you've put books on my radar, mm-hmm. us having our topics that have pushed me outside of my standard mystery thriller? I don't, yeah, I don't know what to read. I'll just find a mystery and thriller. Mm -hmm. I've had to force myself out and it's been the best thing, best possible thing for my reading life. Mm -hmm. So how about you? I also have had, I've read the most books ever, which is 118. I think my last year was the highest ever and I had read 110. And so I've beat that by eight. Yeah, I'm not stopping now. So, (laughs) and it's never about quantity. It's, uh, you know, but 
sometimes you just find like it, it's really made me fall in love with reading. It's really made me be more critical about the books that I am going to pick up next because you're right. We have to think like, okay, what episodes are coming up? We try and read for the episodes. So it's been really great for my reading life. You've also influenced me so much. I've read more backlist this year than ever, which is still not a lot, but <laughs> it's still much more than I normally would. And you said earlier, so, okay, it was not hard for you to narrow it down to 10. No. And I do want to tie in my thoughts on that with the fact that I don't think, I don't think, at least I feel like I am somewhat speaking for you because I have a feeling you feel the same way. I'm not tossing out my number and I know you're not tossing out the number as, as a bragging, Mm. like this Mm -hmm. is how many, the reason we're bringing up our numbers is because look at how many mostly great books we read Mm -hmm. this year. We've narrowed it down to our very, like the ones that stood out, out of that huge quantity, right? Yeah. If you put both of our books together. That's a lot and of we're going to share out of all of that, which I'm not that fast at math in my head. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> 200 and... Well, you have 101. So yeah. I have 101. 200, 219. Okay. 219. Because I have 118. I've that. <laughs> <laughs> but we narrowed it. So we're picking 20 out of that's a huge number to start with and a very small amount of books that we're taking with us that we want to keep as special. So mm-hmm. 10%-ish. The, right. So yeah. I think, I mean, that's how I feel because I don't, I don't usually like to, I don't broadcast. Right. The numbers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't feel like we're, we're trying to do that, but because it doesn't matter at the end of the day, but I do think no. it helps provide context. Like, okay, we've done a lot of work. Like, we've we can tell lot. you, like, chances are, like, you know, we 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 kind of know, I think, at this point, like, which ones we really like, which ones we would recommend to others. Right. For me, it was very difficult to narrow it down to 10. And like I said earlier, I'm still not, I, I'm not 100% convinced that I got it. I'm very close. And I, I have no question that these belong on the list. I just wish maybe I had, like, 15 that I could bring. Mm. And... So the, how do, I don't know how you did it. The way that I do it, I have a spreadsheet of all the books that I read in a given year. After I read them, I try and do it by month. Sometimes I get behind. But then when I add a book to the list, if I really liked it and think, okay, this could be a contender, I will highlight it. Just give it a different color. So that way I have a visual to see when I'm trying to narrow it down to the top 10, like, all right, which ones are they? And then I just, on my spreadsheet, bold the ones that were the top 10. I think the first time I did it, I was just not counting. I think I had 18 <laughs> that are like, I was like, these can be the top. And I'm like, oh, I have to go down further. What about you? Okay. Well, how I started was on my walks earlier this week. I said to myself, all right, right now with no books in front of me, what what books do I remember? Mm. What have What has stayed with me right now? If I have to sit down without a list of looking and I start, that's how I started. And I, I think idea. I came up, I think that right off, I had six mm-hmm. for sures. And I mean, and that was just off of feeling and memory and what like characters I'm, I still have not got out of my head. Like mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of that of who haven't I stopped thinking about? What story will I not be able to stop thinking about? And that's where I start. That's a good place to start though. So. Yeah, for me too, if I'm looking back, a lot of these, mine is twofold. A lot of these are characters I just can't get rid of. I don't want to get rid of. They live with me. Like they're a part of my, you know, 
brain at this point. The others were just so entertaining, so entertaining that they delighted me. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, God. Like, when I was reading, I just remember being like, oh, my God. Like, I'm so delighted right now. Yes. I am am the exact same. Once I, I got those initial few down, then I went back and I started looking. I just pull up my Goodreads challenge or whatever and see everything that I've been reading and some I still keep in my notes if I haven't talked about them on the podcast yet. So right. I pull up everything. And so what ended up happening was I was like, oh my, oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. And I added it. And then I I was at like 14. And because I also include anything I read this year, it does not have to be published in 2021. Mm-hmm. And that's a shift for me too. Normally I do my best of list. It's the best that I've read that was published in the year I read it. So tw- obviously the best of 2021. This year, I did for this podcast, it's everything I've read. Okay. And I do think, okay, so of of that 14, I always think to myself, oh gosh, if it made me cry, it has to be included. But then once I really started looking at that, you know what happened? There really weren't any mysteries or thrillers outside of one in particular. So I was like, oh, that's not fair. So what I did was go back and think of my mysteries and thrillers because I love them. What completely, like you said, delighted and entertained me. Mm-hmm. And I went back and right away I knew what it was. I knew what I was, I knew what I needed. And I put that on the oh, list good. and took off one of the ones that made me cry because it's not, it deserved to be there. Mm-hmm. It, I had, I remember exactly when I was listening to it, yep. exactly when it was this summer and how much fun. I had like the whole time I kept thinking this this is so much fun. I love so this much so fun. much and it needed to be there. I and hear it just you. wasn't it, in my initial, initial round. Mm-hmm. You're so funny. I do the same thing. Yesterday I was walking around and I was with Jonathan and my my daughter. We were walking through this parking garage and I thought, oh, I remember I was listening to Great Circle when I walked through this part last time. Why <laughs> it came to my brain, I don't know, but absolutely I can think of specific mm-hmm. books when I like think of specific moments in my life. For sure. It's funny how that happens. Like, oh, I was reading this book at that time. I do want to know, because I feel like I gave you a pretty good idea of what, I mean, my criteria for what made mm. my list is is pretty much that. Like characters that stayed with me, stories that stayed with me. Also, if it makes me cry, it's, it's very highly likely that it's going to be there. But I also say to myself, when 2022 rolls around, what story am I possibly not going to be able to forget about and or and or mm-hmm. characters? That's really my criteria. What I want to know yours because I I don't have any idea how you chose your books. Feeling, intuition, really. Like it's a lot of I can't leave this book off. Put it this way, I have purchased all of the books that I ha- that I have on my list. If I want, or if I already had a physical copy, but I wanted these books on my bookshelf. I, for me, if I need a physical copy in my hand and I want to highlight it, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's how I know it's a must-have. I gotta keep it with me type of book because I want it in my collection. I want to just look at it. It makes me happy. These are also books that I would feel comfortable recommending to a wide range of readers. Like I'm like, I know if you don't like this one, we may not have the same reading taste, which is okay. But if you like the reading that I do, t- chances are you're going to like these books as well. Okay. Right. I I definitely... I have a hard time separating. I wish I didn't think about what other people would think about them, but I have a hard time separating the... 
and it's been this way for years, the reviewing aspect of it mm-hmm. from my personal enjoyment. Okay. Because I always think about like, oh, would I highly recommend this book? Like that's how I categorize it. So yeah, I kept that in mind for mine. Okay. Right. A few of mine, I would have a hard time recommending in general. It would have to be, yeah. you know, specific recommendations. To the right reader. Right. But I am, I'm doing something or feeling like doing something with several of these books that I've never done before. I want, I want signed copies. It is on my to-do list because, you know, I have my five-star bookshelf. Not only do I want many of these books on my five-star bookshelf, and a couple already are, and they're not signed, but now I'm like, what if I can get it signed? And that's going to, that'd be something really new and special. And that is, and so I'm going to try to track these down. A a couple in particular, I'll tell you which ones they are and see if I can find that way, in case I can't find it, maybe anyone out there might know where I can find signed copies. Mm-hmm. I can't wait anymore. Okay. So I'm gotta ready. Go. Let's go. <laughs> to do you, share. Do you want I'm to start? Ready. And yes. Not in any particular order until we are going to save our top book for last. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So our lists are in no particular order. These are our very favorite books. They're not necessarily the ones that are the most critically acclaimed, and they may or may not have been published in 2021. They could be front list, back list, whatever, anything goes. I will kick things off with one my husband and I both loved. It is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. You have Ryland Grace, and he is the sole survivor on a desperate last chance mission to save humanity and the Earth itself. And the book opens up with him waking up on this ship. He has no idea what's going on. His memory is gone. He does not know why he's there. But he kind of figures it out because his crewmates are dead. And all of a sudden, he's realizing he has this knowledge in his brain that gives him hints to as to what he did for work. And he's got this computer that feeds him and kind of takes care of his health. And he basically figures out that he is the last person that is being sent on this mission to try and save humanity. There's something going on with climate change, and he's the guy that they've sent. And this book made me feel good about humanity. It has a ton of science and detail, which I think can bog people down, but it did not bother me. I loved this book because the characters were interesting And it went to places I wasn't expecting. I just sat back, enjoyed the listen. I did listen to this one, but I also have a print copy. Even though the story is very contained, because you're on this ship for most of it, and the rest is told through flashbacks, I thought it was entertaining, exciting, and mind-expanding, which I love. This is absolutely worthy of a reread, something I don't do very often, because once you know how it ends, I think it would really, really change the experience of reading it in a good way. I will leave it at that. I absolutely love, love, loved the ending. Uh, If you've read this book, you probably know. It kind of is one of the ones I wanted to hug when I was done with it. This is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Okay. I am... Did I I stump you? You definitely (laughs) got me because I don't know. Like I said, I have no idea. I had no idea what you were going to pick, but I don't know that I would have even thought of that one. And I'm so excited. Because, oh, because I have it on my bookshelf still. Literally, it's in my, it's on my to be read Mm -hmm. bookshelf. I also have the audio. So I have a feeling that I, I'm just as excited as anyone else that follows your recommendations closely because I'm now, now I'm like, okay, this is awesome. I haven't read it. And (laughs) you're like, you got the preview. And I get to, (laughs) I get to read that in 2022. My prediction is you will like it. 
stick with it long enough to like let the science wash over you. There's a little bit of math, whatever. Let it wash over you. I predict you will enjoy it very much. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm excited. All right. All right. What do you got for me? uh, I'm starting with a favorite author. And this is some this is a book I read in February. So it's still with me. It's The Unwilling by John Hart. Yay. I love John Hart. This is the story of a shattered family and a killer who's as twisted as any I've read in a long time. So this book is set with the Vietnam War as the backdrop. It is set in the late 60s, early 70s. I love I love that he set that. In that particular time period, you have the French family. They have twins, Jason and Robert, and younger brother, Gibby. Robert's killed in Vietnam, and then the family has struggled to pick up the pieces. Jason enlists and comes back a changed man. The story really, really centers on Gibby and his struggles with his overprotected mother and father. His father's a cop, and then Jason comes back. He's been in prison. And once Jason reenters his life, chaos, drama, betrayal, murder, it's all there. John Hart can do, I'm telling you, character-driven plus a mystery plus dark crime fiction better than anyone. He's so good. I love this book. I combined the print and the audio. I'm just so happy that he is kind of back to writing what he is so good at because he took a little departure with a very strange book called The Hush. I think I DNF'd that. I just love him. I love his writing. I had to include this one. And this was one of the ones that popped into my head from, you know, so long ago. But it's really, really good. I mean, if you like to follow characters and you want to be invested, but you also want a mystery and a killer that is very bad and creative, pick this one up. It's The Unwilling by John Hart. Mm, I really want to read that one. I actually forgot. Earlier this week, I was like, I want to read a John Hart. And I said, what about The Unwilling? And you were probably like, uh, I've already talked about this on the show, and it's one of my favorites. <laughs> but you did recommend a different one to me that I'm going to try. Yes. But I definitely have to read I this I really author. want you to read John Hart. I think you would really like him. And you can go ahead and read The Unwilling in 2022. And, and oh, you'll allow I'm it? Sure, I, okay. I'll allow it. I'm sure the listeners will allow it. And we'd like to hear what you had to say, I mean, if you don't like it, we're going to have a problem, but it's okay. Ooh, it's all no right. No pressure. No it's pressure okay. at all. What if I come to the show and I'm like, I hated it. And I would be shocked. <laughs> I would be on the okay. floor if you hated this book. I would need <laughs> okay, to. I don't want that. Although, I mean, I would just need to know more. It's okay. Not everyone. It's okay. You don't have to like everything I like. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of an author that you influenced me on. It is The Pact by Sharon Bolton. (gasps) This book was one of the ones earlier when I was telling you some of them just entertained the hell out of me. This is one of those. The Pact opens with six friends and they're about to graduate and they're looking forward to bright futures. They've all got such potential. They're hanging out by this pool. They're bored and they come up with this daredevil game to pass the time. And they all take a turn. They're all doing this thing. It's dangerous and it's fine until it's not fine and the game goes horribly wrong, and people are killed. They're all screwed until one of the (laughs) friends decides to step up and take the blame. 
but she does it on the contingency that they each have to return a favor upon her release from prison. Sounds far-fetched. It is. Didn't care. Things do not go as planned. And then the book flashes forward two years later when she's free and she is ready to collect. And this is on my list because I was captivated from start to finish. This is a true psychological thriller to me. My heart was racing. I totally binged it. And it's got, of course, my favorite tropes, a group of friends who did something really bad as kids come to back together as adults for a reckoning. You've got revenge. You've got secrets, all of it. I loved how she built the plot and how I never really knew what to believe. Who was good? Who was not good? Are they all good? Who's crazy? What's going on? (laughs) And she surprised me in ways that I wasn't expecting. And I genuinely was sad that this was over. I definitely recommend this one for other thriller lovers. It is The Pact by Sharon Bolton. Oh, my gosh. You are if you continue to surprise me with each pick, I can I cannot wait. I can I, I, I cannot tell everyone I how will, but... how excited I am to hear that your first time reading Sharon Bolton, right? Mm-hmm. And it, and mm-hmm. it first time reading her, Sharon Bolton. And it made Bolton, your yeah. list. It made my list. Yeah. We should have done a prediction list. I would have I want to predict which ones oh, are on your top we list. We should have done oh, that well. next year. It's all right. Next year. But also, I still have the pact sitting on my bookshelf. I knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's yep. there's another book I need to read. Sounds like we might need to do a whole episode on books that we read, books, books that we we end up reading on each other's favorite list. But no, she's like seriously it. amazing. I'm so glad you like like. It was that. really good. It was very 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 fun. <laughs> and there's more Sharon Bolton for you. In oh, her there's backlist. like a hundred more. Yes. Right. Right. No, not a hundred, but there's, there's a, a lot. lot. All right. My next book is going to be A Town Called Solace by Mary Mm -hmm. Lawson. I have talked about that recently. So just a real quick synopsis. You have rebellious teenager Rose. She's been missing for weeks with no word. And then you have Rose's younger sister, Clara, who keeps a daily vigil at the living room window. And in the meantime, Clara keeps her eye on the neighbor's house, Mrs. Orchard, and Mrs. Orchard has went into the hospital. Her name is Elizabeth, and there is a man that moves into her house, Liam. Clara kind of has to figure out who is Liam, and we get to know Liam, and it's all three perspectives, Clara, Liam, Mrs. Orchard. There is a great mystery surrounding How is Liam tied in with Mrs. Orchard? What happened many, many, many years ago? What happened to Rose? And how are all of these threads going to connect in the end? There is a very small town feel to this story. It's very character driven with also a mystery. I think that that's probably been such a sweet spot for me this year which is a change, how much character-driven stories I've really been into, but also with a little bit of mystery. I highly recommend this on audio, but because of how many times I wanted to remember sentences and passages, it's that kind of writing. I ordered a print copy so that I can highlight. It's It really is. It's that kind of writing. Not everything ties up neat and tidy with this story. And I Mm -hmm. like that. I like a complicated resolution. I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want the author to leave me 
hanging on a cliff. And that's not what happens, but it's not neat and tidy. And I really appreciated that. And I really loved it. It's a town called Solace by Mary Lawson. Yes, I think I would have guessed that this one was on your list, but I always love a book where you want to, where you feel like you want to collect sentences. You're like, yep, I need this one. I have to remember this. It's just, Mm -hmm. it sinks its teeth into you. It's one of those that, that will sit on my shelf, like you talked about. And when I just look at it, I'll feel good. It'll make me Mm -hmm. smile and I'll just, I'll remember those particular aspects that I really want to remember about it. So yeah, it, it was good. All right. What is next for you? Next for me is You Got Anything Stronger by Gabrielle Union. And this is her second essay collection, and it is incredibly personal. I would recommend that you start with her first. We're going to need more wine just because you really get more of a clear picture as to who she is, but you don't have to. The reason this makes my list is because I was full on weeping in the very beginning of this because she shares her story about giving birth to her daughter via surrogate. And I just think every woman will get something out of this book. And I honestly think some folks were afraid to pick this one up because they thought it would be too heavy surrounding her infertility struggles. And while she's definitely open and very blunt about that, there is a lot more to this book. She also talks about things like her stepdaughter being transgender, about racism, about perimenopause, and some of the things that are still misunderstood about that, and more. She is a gorgeous writer, and I really thought there was a great balance of thoughtful stories and ones that were funny and ones that were reminding you like, oh, she's super famous and has, you know, a lot of really famous friends and a lot of access. And there, you know, there's a drunken Thanksgiving. There's a scene at a strip club. I listened, but again, I also bought the print copy of this because every chapter had something that I wanted to highlight and take away. I just thought this one was really well done, and I'm glad that it held up for me to her first because I also really loved her first. This book is You Got Anything Stronger by Gabrielle Union. Okay. All right. What's next? All right. Next for me is The Push by Ashley Audrain. Yeah. (laughs) This goes way, way, way back to, I think this might've been my first read of January. Oh, for real? I I think it might've been. Wow. But I, but if not my first read, the first book I remember reading, and I, rem- I remember this so well because I was obsessed. I could not stop reading this. I had the print copy and had to get the audio because I could not stop, and I stayed up till one in the morning. So I, I have not forgot about this story. This is a page-turning psychological drama about the making and breaking of a family, a woman whose experience of motherhood is nothing at all what she hoped for. So this was the story of Blythe Connor. And once she has her new baby, Violet, motherhood is not what she thought it would be. It's very exhausting. It's very isolating. She, to me, she seemed very postpartum depression. Then her daughter, Violet, as she grows, does not behave like most children do. However, the question is, is it all in Blythe's head? Her husband, Fox, thinks she's imagining things. The more Fox dismisses her fears, the more Blythe begins to question her own sanity, and the more we begin to question whether Blythe is telling us the truth. That's really all you need to know, because what happens in the story, so much of it is 
it's hard if, especially if you're a mother, you have young children, but, and then the ending left a lot of people conflicted. I personally loved it. I thought it was great, Mm -hmm. but, and I love a good ending that causes conversation and conflicted feelings. And this one did. I binged it. I loved it. I stayed up late reading it. It was The Push by Ashley Audrain. Yeah, I read this one too. I love this book. I also loved the ending. And I was such a ghoul because I literally was breastfeeding still. She was like, I don't know, six months old, eight months old. And I was like, <laughs> like reading this book about this horrible child and like holding my baby, like, oh my God, please don't grow up to be a nut, nut job. <laughs> no, like finally, I remember, I think I posted about this in January and you commented or messaged me and you were like, I'm not, I can't read that book. I'm not reading that book. I wasn't going to for very, for, I didn't read it and think until maybe March, Uh I think, because I just kept seeing it. I kept seeing it. And I'm like, you know what? I I had a very, speaking of Katie at Basic Bees Guide, I remember she and I DM'd for quite a bit. She gave me a lot of like points to think about. And she's like, if you're okay with this, then these, this, this, and this, and you'll be okay. So I guess I shared like that I was still a new mother in case anybody also is a new mother and thinking like, well, that's probably not for me. It could be, it could be for you. Right. Okay. What do you have next? All right. So my next book could be a good book, Flight with the Push. This one is When I Ran Away by Alona Bannister. This is contemporary fiction. And this might be the most underrated book that I have on my list. And this book examines motherhood, class, and grief via Gigi, an unflinchingly honest and hilarious woman from Staten Island. And the book opens up on September 11th, 2001. I dare you to read, to open this book and read the first 50 pages and not want to like continue to binge it. And Gigi's basically trying to get back home from Manhattan after the first tower fell. So she's trying to get back to Staten Island, runs into a man that she recognizes from the building she works in. And basically takes him home with her because he doesn't have any family other than his, you know, place in Manhattan. The story then flashes forward to years later when Gigi, who is now raising a young son, runs into Harry again and sparks fly. They have a beautiful life together, but she's had a rough postpartum experience. And one day she literally just up and walks away. And you're kind of left thinking, how you guys were so happy. Like, what happened? How did you get to this point? She walks away, goes to a hotel room starts drinking, tells her friends where she is and starts putting on Real Housewives. And she just basically (laughs) unpacks everything and thinks about what's gotten her to this point. This one makes my list because I found the author's observations about marriage and motherhood to be spot on. I, again, read this um, pretty close to the push. Lily was about nine months old. And reading the author's words really gave me a feeling of solidarity. I love Gigi. I thought she was self-deprecating and hilarious and broken, and I just wanted to give her a hug at the end. This is a great debut, and I cannot wait for more from the author. And this book is When I Ran Away by Alona Bannister. Right. I think you're exactly right. That would be a really nice flight with the push because that one is yes. sounds like it's more mother-focused, and the Mo- push is mm-hmm. more— It is mother, but it's also more— it's got the kit. I mean, it's more about the violet. child. It's mm-hmm. more violet focused too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Very good. true. All right. All right. What's next? My next one, I, I am going to say is on my list, but I'm going to tell everyone right now, you must do the audio. You must. Okay. There is no question. It has to be. It is You Love Me by Carolyn Kepnes. Okay. You guys know I love Joe Goldberg. <laughs> 
Tina knows she's sick of me talking the obsession about obsession is real. <laughs> she's ta- sick of talking me talking about Joe Goldberg. I love Joe Goldberg, which means I love Carolyn Kepnes and her writing of Joe Goldberg. So in this, which is book three of the series, Joe is done with the cities. He's done with the muck and the posers, and he's done with everything that happened before. Joe is and and Joe is not an innocent person. He has done a lot of bad things. He has killed people, but he is moving. He's starting over. He's moving to a cozy island in the Pacific Northwest. And for the first time in a long time, he has plans to just be a good citizen and live his life. Okay. He gets a job at a local library, which was just genius. And Mm -hmm. there he meets Mary Kay DeMarco. She's a librarian. Joe decides he won't meddle. He's not going to obsess. He's going to win Mary the old-fashioned way by providing a shoulder to cry on and a helping hand. And, you know, things do not go as planned for Joe. The narrator of this audiobook is Santino Fontana. I will always, always tout this particular series on audio because you was the very first audiobook I ever fiction audiobook I ever listened to and it changed it literally changed the way I thought about listening to fiction on audio because I thought I couldn't do it and then I listened to him narrate you and it blew my mind he's an actor mm-hmm. if I mean actors just they do something special with audiobooks and he took her writing because in order to for him to have something to work with, her writing, especially her social commentary and the way she had, because what Joe thinks and says is her writing. And it is snappy and sarcastic and witty. And she just skewers social media and just everything. I loved it. I cannot say enough about it. You must do the audio. It's You Love Me by Carolyn Kepnes. Mm-hmm. I was curious if that one was going to stay on the list. I mean, th- there was no question this was going to be on my list. I had no mm-hmm. question. But this was one of mine that that just completely entertained me from start mm-hmm. to finish. I think I either laughed or had a smile on my face or I felt giddy the whole time I was listening to this. Mm-hmm. And I think I binged. I mean, I binged it. I loved it so much. Yeah, we read it almost at the same we time, did. if not at the same time. And I remember like going back and forth, like, oh my gosh, did you get to this part yet? Oh God. You know, it was a very fun book, oddly, even though obviously he's still like a total psycho, but I know, <laughs> it was but, a very fun I mean, book. He tried, but I, I just, this was one that, that, I mean, it stayed with me only because I listened to it and I know that it's not resonating as much in print with people. Yes, definitely not. Mm -mm. Because of the way that it's like structured, it wouldn't read as well in print. But on audio, I agree. The audio is really, really good. Yes. All right. What is your book five halfway? So this book is one that I brought to the mid-year show as well. And okay, I thought about taking it off and replacing something else. And then I felt too bad. I was like, there's no way that I'm moving this book. Like I, I, that's what kept it on here because I couldn't have a list without it. It's Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. This is YA and it's a prequel to The Hate You Give. And this one focuses on Star's father, Maverick Carter. 
but it's set in the same world in Garden Heights. When Maverick is a senior in high school, his father's incarcerated and his mother is working two jobs to keep the family afloat. And Mav's father was a big gang member in in the gang in the community. And Maverick was following in his father's footsteps until a one-night stand turned him into a father. And he made the decision to walk away from this gang. But as with many things in life, it was easier said than done to leave this organization. And the reason I loved it so much is these people are real. Angie Thomas is so talented at world building and in creating characters. I love The Hate You Give so much when it first came out. And it was very fun to be back in that world and to see the characters that made Star and kind of see the origins of that. And you also see some of the characters that are in both of the books. The reader really kind of understands how people can get caught up in this culture and how hard it can be to find a way out. I loved having a strong Black male protagonist and watching him find his way as a father was very readable and kind of relatable. Because again, like he was a young father, did not know what he was doing, and it was entertaining, I guess, to watch him navigate. I thought this book had a really, really good balance of depth and levity. It made me think, it made me feel, and I am so glad that books like this exist. This one is Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. Definitely still have that one. My That's on my audio TBR, Concrete Rose, for sure. Yeah, it, I listened to it. It was very good. Okay. Well, next for me, I'm going to go with another thriller. This is the one. I wonder if you can predict what it is. <laughs> this is the one that didn't that I initially had to go back and say, "No, it has to be there. It's a thriller from the summer." I ended up adding it back in because it thoroughly entertained me. It's For Your Own Good by Samantha Downing. Mm, okay, yes. cool. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Here's why this has to be there. I have not forgotten about Teddy. Teddy, what, okay, when I had to remember the book that thoroughly entertained me this summer and when I, mm-hmm. like, I, okay, this was the one because I, re- I just loved listening and I did listen to this one. I would say this is not one of my more favorite audios. However, once I got in the swing of it, I, I was into it. But it was Teddy. Teddy was a a nut. And I just, I haven't forgotten about him. I feel like I won't forget about Teddy. He won Teacher of the Year at his Belmont Academy private school, home to the best and the brightest. And he said that his wife couldn't be more proud. However, no one had seen her for quite a while. No one was sure what had happened to her. And then Teddy got involved with the drama with the death of a school parent. And there was murder after murder after murder in this book of people that you would be like, oh, oh, okay, I didn't see that coming at all. And in the midst of it was Teddy. And there was there was parent drama and student drama and parenting drama. And just, it was so over-the-top, melodramatic, I was entertained from start to finish. It was also so surprising in what ended up happening at the end. It floored me. I had like, good for her for taking chances with your story and and kind of taking risks, I thought. And I, I was into it. Thoroughly entertaining. It was For Your Own Good by Samantha Downing. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to pick this one up over winter break because I've not read it. I didn't really It sounds so perfect it. for me. 
Mm-mm, no, I never read it because you had brought oh. it. And I was like, yeah, I'll move. You know, I'll wait, whatever. Maybe now's the time because it, it's so funny. You love a psychopath. <laughs> I do. I really. I mean, I had said, I think I I did bring this to the podcast. Yes. I think I had said if you put like Teddy and Joe in a room together, mm-hmm. I mean, Joe would definitely win. But Teddy's right up there with him as far. Teddy could hold it. his own with Joe. And I do. I want you to try this one. Okay. All right. I'm very, this one surprised me. This one surprised me, which is a good thing. Okay. All right. What do you have next? Next for me is one that I have shared pretty recently on the podcast. It is The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music by David Grohl. I had to. This book reached into me and just pulled something out of me. It's so nostalgic. So this is his memoir, and it's a very, very personal look at his life as a drummer, a front man, and a husband. And I loved the way that he told his stories it felt so authentic and he came across as so grateful and so funny and just like a real person, which you don't always get in celebrity memoir. He chronicles his life up to this point from the recent fall off stage where he breaks his leg to his early struggles, his massive and quick rise to stardom with Nirvana and his years with the Foo Fighters. He also shares a lot about his family. Even though he's this grunge rocker, he's also very, very sweet in how he writes about his girls and his wife and his mother. And again, this one made my list because it was so nostalgic. I grew up listening to Nirvana and then Foo Fighters, and I loved this behind-the-scenes look at the bands and the music industry. I also really liked how he talked about how he feels about his success, how he feels like he manifested it in many ways. And he's just a regular person who just happened to be super talented, hit on something, and kept riding the wave. This was massively entertaining. Another one where I recommend both the audio and the print. The audio because he narrates and you want to hear his voice. But the print, it's so special. If you have a music lover in your life, they would love a copy of this because it has photos that are built within it. The paper feels really nice. It's just wonderful to hold in your hand. This one's great. It is The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music by David Grohl. Okay. I know you had recently really loved that, and but I really did not even, I had no idea you would bring that as a favorite. I know. John called it the recency bias. I said, no, no. this one really is a favorite. Right. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I had to test myself with the recency bias too, but mm-hmm. I, I don't, I know you know, we, we're bringing up. things that we really love. But here, I'll tell you this real quick. So we're recording on a Sunday, Friday night. Remember, I messaged you that Darren and I were at the music trivia night <laughs> that we yes. that we were not yes. doing well at. We went to a, a bar restaurant that had nine, and, and it ended up being nine, nine, 80s, 90s music trivia, which you would think. However, so. it was a rock-focused music trivia. So I was not doing well. So they played a song, and I will tell you, Tina, I really liked it. And it ended up being the Foo Fighters. And I was like, yes. oh, my gosh, Tina just brought this book. And I was telling Darren, <laughs> I, and he was like, oh, Tina likes Nirvana. I love Nirvana. I love. I listen to Nirvana. Like, And I was like, yeah, yes. she just brought this, this book. But I really liked the Foo Fighters song. The song. I really did. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what it was. But— I Ever mean, long, probably. An- you really, you've really, really picked my interest with this book. Yeah, really. I'm, I'm dig it. I would love to hear you, to hear if you read this because I feel like it would be outside of your comfort zone in some ways, but in other ways it wouldn't be. No, it would be. And also that trivia night sounds fun. I have Nirvana stuck in my head. Do I need, like, do mm-hmm. I need to, to know anything about Nirvana to enjoy this book? 
No, other than you know that they were a grunge band. One of the first, Kurt Cobain died super young at 27 by suicide. Right. Um, And they got famous really, really quickly, like in a matter of weeks. They were one of the first, due to MTV and the music video, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Okay. That put them on the map and literally rocketed them from like sleeping in one room together, like on the couch, whatever, to megastars okay, got across it. the world. And I've, that's, it's, that's it's fascinating. Pretty... I, I, okay. I'm glad you told me that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Next for me is, all right. I've recently talked about this. So okay. I'm not, I mean, I recently as in last episode. <laughs> and oh, um, I know so I'll be is. very mm-hmm. quick, but this might be the biggest surprise prize of my list mm-hmm. and it's bewilderment by richard powers yep i and and this when you just said john talked about the recency bias this could apply to that however it doesn't i mean i know i just recently read this but it wouldn't matter because this story will stay with me and also I I just had no idea I would like it this much. So I have already said it's astrobiologist Theo Byrne. He had been searching for life throughout the cosmos, and then he's raising his nine-year-old who had so many troubles at school following the death of his mother and Theo's wife. So the school wants to put Robin on medication. They're saying basically he can't stay at school if he is not medicated. He's violent. He has outbursts. They say he's ADHD. They all of the, all of these things that we do hear are a lot of what kids are diagnosed with these days compared to many many years ago when we didn't see as many of these diagnoses. So Theo decides to enroll his son in a neurobiofeedback experiment that his wife had done. So they end up kind of I don't know how to explain it, but. This was a hard one to talk about because they they kind of track Robin's brainwaves with his wife's from when she had done the experiment before she mm-hmm. passed. And there's a, a bunch of what is there beyond what we can actually comprehend as far as the brain and a universe beyond what we have and science and Empathy, like this book is so heavy on empathy and the environment, especially both of those two things, nature, just everything that hit home for me. There was nothing about this book that I didn't love. I didn't find it hard to understand. If you, even if you're not into astrophysics and the stars and all, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. And it's not super long. It was great. I loved it. And here it is. It's Bewilderment by Richard Powers. It's it snuck its way in to my top 10. Oh, yes. I'm glad you said you don't have to have an interest in astrophysics to enjoy this one. That sounds so good, though. It sounds really interesting. I think I might have it's to give really that one a good. try, too. This book was exactly like your book you talked about, a hell of a book. This mm-hmm. is the same thing. You have to pay attention. You mm-hmm. can, this was, right. This You're was not just binging it in you, the background. You cannot be doing 50. 50 different things and multitasking, this require, this does require your attention, not because it's science-based, but because of what he packs in in such a limited number of pages, you don't want to miss it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. Sounds good. What do you have next? 
Speaking of surprises, we didn't plan this, but it works very well. This book is my biggest surprise. It is The Idea of You (gasps) by Robin Lee. (laughs) And I had seen this one making the rounds on Instagram during the height of COVID, but I did not think of anything of it. I was like, nope, this one's not for me. And the only reason I picked it up was because Renee brought it to our book Hangovers episode. This book is a love story with a reverse age gap. Soline is 39 and Hayes is 20. The thing is, Hayes is a world-famous musician who comes across as much older than he is. So they meet at a backstage event and Hayes hits on her. And she's flattered by his attention, but she's like, this is a boy. And I'm here with my daughter and her friend. Like, nothing is happening here. She is recently divorced and trying to focus on her daughter and her career but he talks her into going to lunch. He is a very big, smooth talker, but not in a way that's cringy at all. I don't think I cringed once, Mm -hmm. which is saying a lot. Because like, in my mind, I'm (laughs) thinking, well, hold on. It's not cringy in that it's cheesy. I cringed in certain ways because it's very steamy, very open door. And I'm like, oh boy, (laughs) which makes me nervous. But I really liked the story. And what develops is a really sweet, really intense love story that follows him around the globe. And it's definitely bittersweet. Her daughter is a massive fan of this band, and she would die if she knew what her mother was up to. It sounds far-fetched, but I fell in love with these characters and their story. These felt like real people to me, and it's, again, super steamy, but it's also a star-crossed lover's story that has a lot packed into it. It explores themes of aging, sexism, double standards, fame, parenthood, and a lot more. This story will stick with me a long time, and I am begging for a sequel, even though I know some (laughs) folks probably are not. This is The Idea of You by Robin Lee. Oh, man. I am so excited this is in your top 10. So excited. Top 10, for sure. For sure, for sure. Yes. Love this book. Had to purchase it. Got the copy. Right. Hold on to it. Like to look at it. It's a good uh, book. And we had a fun conversation about this one Mm -hmm. recently Mm -hmm. in our Patreon. but. It's so funny. Like, I I guess I didn't even think that it might show up in your top 10. So I love it. And yeah. I know we'll never like, right. You'll never forget about that story. No, never. And I don't get book boyfriends. That's not a thing that happens to me. <laughs> I really loved Hayes. I really did. I was like, oh, my God. He's like, he's always like, hi. I'm like, oh, it's just it's good. It's, it's a so good story, good. man. And and yeah. I mean, even if she doesn't choose to write a sequel, it's OK, mm-hmm. Robin. But please, it's okay. Please mm-hmm. write something else because it wasn't the yes. writing. The writing was the writing stellar. Was excellent. It wasn't like the writing said, was really good. It wasn't cheesy. Just Mm-mm. please write something else. We're begging you. <laughs> I agree. I agree. All right. I'll take whatever I can get at this point. Exactly. All right. <laughs> what do you got? I've got to switch gears and go back to uh, go back to a thriller that crossed my path this late summer. I would not have found this had it not been for me needing to read specifically for the podcast. I just would have missed it. It's Intensity by Dean Koontz. Mm-hmm. If I was going to pick any thriller that needed to be on my list this year, for sure. Actually, there'd be two. I'm going to mention one later. This would definitely be it. No questions asked. This was the one I had mentioned that was about... China Shepherd. She's 26. She goes to her friend's house to visit her family in California, in the Napa Valley. 
once there, everyone goes to bed except China. And she has insomnia. She has a very dark, much baggage with this girl. She can't sleep. So she's still up when she hears a noise. And it turns out there is a killer in the house. This book, from start to finish, had had my heart racing, had me holding my breath. There has been no other book this year that caused me to do both of those things at the same time. It, it was phenomenal. This is definitely a woman-centered female story up against a, a killer. And he is bad. He is dark, but also he is not stupid. And it's her and it's against him because she realizes at one point that he has kidnapped someone else and he has that person in hiding and it's a child and she has to make a decision and as to whether she can go or not and do something to help get the other person out. So it is phenomenal from start to finish. I loved it. It was Intensity by Dean Koontz. Mm, I knew that one would be on the list. You did? I didn't remember what it was called, but I was like, there's this book about something about a bed. It's very, I think I was thinking it was really intense, was. which aptly named. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yep. What do you have next? Speaking of intense, next for me is Out by Netsuo. <gasps> oh my God. Okay. Oh, I love this book so much. This book is crime fiction set in contemporary Japan. A young mother who works the night shift making boxed lunches brutally strangles her deadbeat husband and seeks the help of her co-workers to dispose of the body. That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> but this is right up there with some of the darkest books I have ever read, but I was in it from start to finish. You get these characters. There's four women in this friend group. And I loved how well-developed we come to find them. Because initially, she sets them up to be stereotypes. You have the one that's shrewd. You have the one that's a rule follower. You have one that's sweet. There's one that's shallow. But as the story goes on, you come to understand these women, their struggles, their motivations, their personalities, and what is in them that would cause them to agree to this cover-up story. This book is insanely graphic, but like you can see a big smile on my face because I'm a creep. I don't know why. <laughs> Specifically when in the scenes where they're trying to get rid of the body, very graphic. But I liked that the author went there because I've read stories where they hide the body. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, blah, 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 this happens. And it's like, she digs in and really gets you to like think about what it would take to get rid of somebody in that way. I absolutely love the writing. The author takes her time setting the stage. So again, you get to know these four women very well. You also get to know the husband, his reputation, what he's been doing, as well as some of the unsavory characters that are in the town. It's a gritty and complex look at crime in Tokyo. And the author really digs into the psychology of what people are capable of. There's also a game of cat and mouse layered in, and I found myself rooting for the women to get away with it. I cannot recommend this highly enough, especially if you like mystery and thrillers. This book is out by Netsuo Carino. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love that. I had no idea. I love that you, every yeah. book. Okay. So far, just to give everyone a, a, an update, <laughs> I had not thought of any of these. 
Like, I'm surprised by each one you keep bringing. Really? Well, that this is where the surprises will end. Because my last two, you're going to be like, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I okay. still have some surprises left for you. All right. I am bringing a nonfiction as my next choice. And it deserves to be. Because I've loved so many nonfictions this year. It's No Cure for Being Human by Kate Fowler. And this snuck in because I just read this for our nonfiction episode. So I have brought this to the podcast. So really short synopsis is Kate was diagnosed at a young age with a stage four cancer. She was given basically two years to live and decided through the course of many trials and tribulations and looking deep. I mean, I really honestly don't know how she decided that she had to keep living because I mean, this is one of those stories where you, you would, you definitely would say, I, what would I do? I don't know what I would do when you're, when you're faced with that. And this is about her journey. This is about what happened. This is about the ups and the downs and everything that she went through. And I will say, this is not your typical, it's not a typical motivation story. She really delves into the positive psychology movement and the way our society tends to think. If you just think positively and you just think Mm -hmm. and you just keep an optimistic outlook, you can do anything. Well, how that's not going to that's not going to cure your cancer and that so this is a little bit of what do you do when everything that you're being told and taught and bombarded with everywhere is not going to help you and i loved that aspect i loved her her thoughts and her realistic conclusions and also she gives really just helpful insights that you you can apply to any situation. I really like that. And also this story does not go where you would think it would go. It it really doesn't. It's it's worth reading. It's worth keeping with you. It's worth revisiting and it's No Cure for Being mm-hmm. Human by Kate Fowler. Mm, yes, this one sounds Did it make you cry? Oh yeah. There yes, it did make okay. me cry. There were parts Mhm. That definitely made me cry, but it makes you think. It really does. This is different than any other. It's not even self-improvement. It's just how she turned what we are, what we really, truly, I mean, and I follow a lot of accounts that are positive psychology, and I do think that I I enjoy reading about, you know, shifting, how to shift your perspective. I enjoy reading about that. But what happens when that doesn't, when you have something in your life that you're facing and that is not mm-hmm. going to help? What do you do when you have to look at things in a different way? Not that she turned things negative. It was just that she turned things around differently and gave you a, a different way of looking. And I really, really appreciate that. I really liked it. Yeah. And like I said, the story doesn't go where you expect it to go. When you think, stage four and you've given, you've been given, you know, that long to live. I mean, obviously you could Google her, but don't like read Mm -hmm, the story and, and be surprised at where it takes you. 
That one's definitely tempting too. Even though it's outside of my comfort zone, it makes me nervous for some really? reason. Really? Yeah. It it makes you yeah. uncomfortable because of course you pick you would picture yourself in that situation. Because it can happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone can, can, can be diagnosed. It really can I mean, it really, it really could happen. And you don't want to think about that. So it does make you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Well, thanks for bringing yes. that on. I'm glad. Yes. So next for me, this one I read early in the year and I still love it. This one is Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. This is a romance and this one almost got my very top spot, but I would probably give it number two if I had to. This is the story of Eva and Shane. They are famous authors who shared an intense week together when they were in high school. Eva's now a single mother who made a name for herself writing fantasy erotica, and Shane is a groundbreaking and enigmatic literary genius. And after what happened to them when they were teens, they were really not expecting to cross paths again, but they're brought together at a literary event in Sparks fly. This book is powerful. It is complicated. It's messy. And it's a unique love story that wasn't cheesy. It's really about overcoming your trauma and facing your demons and finding a way to choose joy. Eva and Shane are wonderful characters, and they had really, really intense chemistry. I had a hard time looking away. I also really liked Eva's daughter, Audra. She was a good addition, and I loved their relationship. And It's funny. There are parts of this book that made me laugh out loud for real, which doesn't always happen, but I was very amused by this. It's also gritty. It's complicated, but there's a lot of joy in this book. I loved it. It's about Black joy. It's about this love story. It's about the one that got away and you're kind of wondering what might have been with this person. And I highly recommend it. It's Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. So that is officially the first book that we both read. On this on this list, yes, I read I because I read that I loved it. Oh, that we that but you no, read. No, it's not Got one it. of my top ten, but I I read it. Got it, and I loved it. You read it, yes, yes, yes. yes. So, this is the first one that we've both that read. we've both read. Not on the whole list, though. No, yeah, on mine, like the one that I brought that you read. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Because I've read you love me. I read okay. Yes. Got it. Yes. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay, take I take that back. We both read <laughs> you love me. I forgot. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, hello. All right. Yeah, you're right. Okay. No, I love this one too. This was great. This was my type of like substance romance. Yep. So good. Yep. 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 Okay. Very good. What's next? All right. Next for me is one you do not know about. I have not brought this to the podcast yet because I just finished it two days ago. (laughs) Mm. It, Tell me and about it. It snuck in there. I had to do it. It's These Silent Woods by Kimmy Cunningham Grant. I'm so glad to hear this. Tell me. When I tell you, I felt pessimistic about this book because it's been mm-hmm. talked about and hyped up on Bookstagram. And I kept seeing it and kept seeing it and kept seeing it. And I was like, eh, I'll read it later. I'll read it in the spring. I'll read it later when everyone's not talking about it. And then I decided to give it a try because my audio came in on my Libby app. And so when my something comes in on my Libby, I will, you know, I only have an X amount of time. I'll bump it up to the top. So I, I oh my gosh, Tina, this one, this is about Finch, who is a young girl. She's eight. She's living in the woods in a remote cabin with her dad, Cooper. They have no electricity, no family, no connection to the outside world. 
And it needs to be like that. That's how Cooper wants it. That's how he set it up because he's got a lot to hide. He's raised Finch with a love of books and nature. And he has really tried to give her the life that she deserves. And he is also at the same time fighting his past, fighting his demons. What happened to him? What happened that led him to make certain choices that then led them to have to go and hide in the woods. You are thrown immediately into the story. There is no, there's no wasted words. There's no extensive backstory, although she does manage to weave in the backstory by alternating the timeline. And it was, it was perfection. The only people who know that Scout or that Finch and Cooper are there are a mysterious local hermit named Scotland and Cooper's old friend, Jake. And Jake visits them every winter, once a year, to bring them food and supplies. But this year, Jake doesn't show up. And that event sets off an irreversible chain of events that reveals just how precarious their situation really is. I was so surprised to find the mystery element to this And the way that this story is told is where Cooper is almost, well, no, he is. I'm not even sure how she did this technique. I was so, like, involved in the story that I I didn't pay attention to, like, how did she set up this narrative? But it really felt like Cooper was telling me directly. Like, he was talking to me directly. Mm -hmm. And there were times when he was sarcastic and times when he was witty and times when he was vulnerable and confused. And I felt like he was telling me the story and I needed to listen to everything he was saying. It was intense, but there was times of lightness and the nature aspect. I love that she brought in the nature and the woods and the animals, everything. I loved it. And I will say I ended up listening to the whole thing, although I did have an ebook of this, but I kept putting it off and putting it off. The audio is fantastic. It's fantastic. I ended up finishing this when I was walking my dog Vinny in the woods. I guess it was probably the last 30 to 50 pages. It was it was maybe 50 pages. And it was 35 degrees out. I had my gloves, I had everything on. I could not stop crying. By then I was like, oh my, I don't know who I'm going to cross. Like I see people walking (laughs) all the time. I look ridiculous. And I kept telling myself, you need to stop, like stop and listen later. But I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I can't, I'm not doing it. (laughs) No, I couldn't stop. The ending surprised me. It's a pride. It's right, worth I'll it. Read this it's, book. it is really, I'm truly sold. as good as everyone is saying it to be. So much that I'm sorry to the book that got bombed, but it had to be there. I had to put it here. It's The Silent mm-hmm. Woods by Kimmy Cunningham Grant. So now I'm in this funny conundrum. I was telling Renee earlier that I'm having decision paralysis because we're recording this. It is still the first week in December when we're recording this favorite books of 2021. And now I'm like, but what do I read for the rest of the year? Because I don't want to like read a book and be like, oh my God, this should be in my top 10. And I feel like like maybe this would be a good one though, because it could be on my covert top 10. And like, you know, we don't want to bring too many of the same books anyway, because I feel like this will really work for me. I feel like it's going to work for you too. I do, especially the audio. All right. I'm glad you brought this one. Yeah. 
And, you oh know, we may have to do a, I mean, what I'm feeling is that we at some point do a books we had to read off of each other's list and then bring mm-hmm. our, and bring our thoughts and opinions either way, good or bad. I'm into it. Stay tuned. We'll do that. <laughs> that would be fun. All right. Oh my gosh. It's right. your top book of the year. This one's my top. top. This one's my top. All right. I'm going to rip off the band-aid. Drum roll. Guys, this one. Drum roll. Da-da-da. Top book of 2021 for Tina's Razorblade Tears Yay! by S.A. Cosby. <laughs> and I am, man, did I love this book. All right. You probably know what this is about because it's been absolutely everywhere. I don't care. I want to talk about it. <laughs> um, this book is about Ike and Buddy Lee. They are not friends, and they are two people whose paths were unlikely to have crossed if not for their sons. Their boys got married, had a wonderful life together, adopted a daughter, and it all came to a screeching halt when someone murdered them. For what reason, Ike and Buddy Lee do not know, but they make it their life's mission to find out. And so begins one of the more propulsive and cinematic books I have literally ever read. And what Cosby does so well is get you to really understand and really care about these characters. Both men were flawed and prejudiced in their own way, but through their quest for the truth, they explore their own biases and regrets. I will not lie, this got pretty brutal and hard to read at times, but if you're like me, you won't mind in a sense because it's a story of revenge and it makes sense. The violence that takes place in this book made sense to me. It is a book that I could literally picture in my mind unfolding as I was reading it. I think if you like stories of revenge, if you like stories of fatherhood and family, Southern literature, generational trauma, parents struggling to accept queer children, I think this could be for you. I really think I'm glad it's got as much press as it has gotten this year because I genuinely love this book with my whole heart. I could not put it down. I want to read it again. And this one is Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby. Um, I second that. It would it would have been in my list for sure. I know. I I, uh, I loved it. We have had a couple conversations about wanting, you know, wanting to bring this to both of our lists. So it is definitely a double love. It's, it's a double love. And but you read it first. You, you brought it as a shelf edition, I think. It was our summer bonanza. Oh, and it summer was the bonanza. book I was okay. most excited for for the summer. Okay. And then I read it after that. And you read it and brought it to and the then show. I brought and it I was to like, the show. <laughs> Number one, how dare you? <laughs> but at least you had good things to say. Yes, I loved it exactly for all the reasons that you mentioned. But And one of the things that really, really, really stuck out to me, especially listening to it, which you said cinematic for sure, and they were flawed, but also like the level of regret that I felt that came through the pages. Because as a parent, there's no way you don't at some point feel regret for something that you did. But yeah. There was no way they could make amends for that. They could not Mm-mm. do anything with their regret. And you didn't yeah. you feel that so much? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There was nowhere they it made you th- they could do it. It made they you think make like, it better. It was really good. It was so good. <laughs> it was so good and uh, very memorable. And really, he deserves much more of the accolades than what he's getting. I don't know how the Goodreads ended up panning out, but <sighs> Come on. I know. Well, at least we were giving him his due so. <laughs> on this I show. So. All right. All right. My number one. I wonder if you suspect or know what it might be. No idea. No mm-hmm. idea? Okay. My number one book 
It is definitely not going to be for everyone. I cannot recommend it to everyone, but I will never forget the story. I will not. It is An Untamed State by Roxanne Gay. It has my number one and it it snuck in. I just read this in November and had no idea that it would possibly affect me and end up being my top book of the year. But I would, I'm like delighted. I cannot, That's so cool. I cannot not think about this book. I will not forget about this story in case you forgot, because I just brought it to the podcast. Um, you have Marae Jameson and she is from Haiti and her family is very wealthy. She marries an American man and they, they go back to Haiti to visit her family. And when they are leaving the compound and they're think bodyguards think I mean it's a compound it's secure there is much violence it is dangerous there and they know it and they've taken precautions but as soon as they leave they're surrounded by black SUVs and she is kidnapped in broad daylight by a gang of heavily armed men in front of her father's Port-au-Prince estate Uh, What follows is the story not only of her kidnapping and what happens to her, but then also the story of their love story, her and Michael, and the way Roxanne Gay wrote that story was brilliant because what happens to Murray in real time is brutal. It's graphic. It's violent. It's horrible. I had to put the book, I had to put my Kindle down and take a, a, a step back at one point, which I, I had said before, I have not had to do since I read A Little Life. And so I knew that this book was affecting me and my thought. Like I couldn't stop thinking about these people and especially her. The thing is, her dad refuses to pay the ransom, even though he has mm-hmm. millions. He's one of the wealthiest people. If you have a book club, I think that if everyone could handle this type of story, it would be a great book to discuss because what happens to her and how she navigates life, and I'm not even going to tell you whether or not she recovers, whether or not she survives, because I I want you to, you know, if you think you might want to read it, I want you to read it without any potential spoilers. But what does that mean for your family to abandon you and decide they're not going to pay the kidnappers. So, Mm. and then her husband, of course, is there and her, she has a one-year-old and, oh, this is a story though of hope and redemption and resilience. Like, like nothing I've read as far as resilience goes. When I say, and I'm comparing this to how I felt about A Little Life, the resilience in this story probably surpasses that and the unexpected places that support and love can come from is in this story. I just I don't I won't ever forget it. I need a I need a signed copy. I need to find a signed mm. copy. This is I I want a signed copy. I want to see her I want to see Roxanne Gay's signature. I want this book on my bookshelf with her signature in it. I need to find it. 
I haven't found it yet, but I haven't really done a thorough deep dive onto how to try to find this because this is from 2014. If if it can be found, you'll find it. My top book is from 2014. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's right. How did you find this book? This had been on my TBR forever. And so when we decided Mm. to do the listener choice of a a backlist I've been meaning to read, this was what this, I came across this because this, when I used to go down my Google like rabbit holes of like unput downable thrillers, I would Google things like that. This book would be on it. So when I went back to find a backlist, I came across this and I was able to get at the library. Once I finished it, I was like, well, this has to be my book hangover book. This isn't even my backlist. So I, that's right. That's how I found that. That's it. I mean, it had been on my radar for years. Well, good job finding this. You're always so good with coming with books that I've not necessarily heard of or thought much about. Is that weird, though, to bring a 2014 as a top book in 2021? Uh, (laughs) Can guarantee that Roxane Gay would not think it was weird. (laughs) I (laughs) love it. No, I I think it's wonderful. I loved it. I'm definitely going to read it. Absolutely. Got to get it. I know I can handle it because I'm my, our two picks were very, very brutal (laughs) in terms of like violence and like sensitivity. And you know what? You're exactly right. This is, this is very, it is very, very brutal. So keep that in mind. And so I hope I've made that clear that it's not for everyone. And you know, this is happening though. Like Haiti has already had, as of, I think I, when I Googled in November, over 800 kidnappings this year. This is not a, this is still a story that applies, unfortunately. All right. Yeah. We are going to do a very, very quick shelf edition. Do you want to do yours first? Yes. A very brief shelf edition. Mine is called The Tobacco Wives by Adele Myers. This one comes out on March 1st, 2022. It's historical fiction and it's set in 1946. What caught my eye is it is about a young seamstress who is new to town She's working for her aunt's sewing business, and she becomes dazzled by the clothing and by the rich clientele. But she kind of uncovers something a little bit unseemly, and it seems like that many of the women are having these substantial health problems, and Maddie believes that there is evidence to suggest that tobacco is to blame. And so she has to decide if she wants to try and take on big tobacco or if she just wants to try and survive. And it sounds like it's a story about strong women. It's about friendship. It's about doing what's right, despite what might be best for you. And it sounds like it's pretty dramatic. So I'm definitely looking forward to this one. It is called The Tobacco Wives by Adele Myers. Okay. That sounds really good. All right. Mine is, I'm just going to tell you, the title caught my eye and it's basically why I need to know more. It's called Her Last Affair by John Searles comes out March 22nd of 2022. And this is a marriage with secrets book. And that will get me every single time. Mm -hmm. And really, that's all I care about knowing. I want to know why it's her last affair. But I will tell you a little bit. You have Skyla. She lives alone in the shadow of the defunct drive-in movie theater that she and her husband ran for nearly 50 years. Ever since her husband's death, she spends her nights ruminating about the regrets and deceptions in her long marriage. That is, until she rents a cottage on the property to a charming British man, Teddy Cornwell. Cut to a thousand miles away, you have Linnell. She's about to turn 50, And she's bored by her spouse and fired from her job when a questionable photo from her youth surfaces on social media. Her only source of joy is an online affair 
with her very first love, a man she's not seen in nearly 30 years, Teddy Cornwell. And then there's another character in New York City, Jeremy. He enters the picture as years ago, he had a great first love and a first great heartbreak. And maybe, just maybe, he decides to look her up when he gets back to town. This is billed as a part page-turning thriller, part homage to film noir. I'll give it a try. It's called Her Last Affair by John Searles. All right. That sounds good. Always good for a domestic thriller. I know. Me too. Give me some twists. All right. Well, that's it for today. We thank you so much for spending a part of your day and a part of your year with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like exclusive bonus content, you can join us over on Patreon for $5 a month. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Please cut that. John, I will be mad if you don't. That's going to be in the money. I don't want it to be. I don't talk about things like that, but I thought you heard it because of my new mic. No, I didn't. Oh, good. Okay, good to know. (laughs) 